0: Welcome to Open Door Policy, the podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit where each and every episode we speak with a different joyful missionary disciple who is seeking to unleash the gospel in his or her own life. Today, we sit down with Paul Duda, the creative director for the Archdiocese of Detroit and talk about art and how God has worked in his life and the life of his family. And as always, we have our wonderful main host, Danielle Center. Danielle, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you, Father Steve?
0: I'm good. We're doing this in like a weird quarantine, yeah. different location, edition. It's, uh, you know, it's not the same as being in the same you room. You know
1: what? I thought about this. I think that it's possible that our listeners think that we like hang out way more than we do. Because like you and I actually don't really see each other outside of when we're recording right and i even know now, i am like wow i haven't seen you in like weeks
0: i know i keep calling you to say danielle do you want to hang out danielle do you want to get together <laughs> and you're always like i don't have time for that so uh paul how are you doing uh i'm doing all right father steve thanks all right <laughs> <laughs> okay. well uh i think we're gonna jump right into rapid fire questions right
1: Um, Well, I have a question for you, Father Steve. Do you have any recent graces?
0: Oh, yeah, I do. I do have a recent grace. Um, I had the uh, opportunity for uh, not, not too long ago, back around Easter, to uh, go around and bless some Easter baskets for my family. So I kept a safe social distance from them, but I was able to go to all their homes and sprinkle their Easter baskets with holy water and to kind of talk from a distance. And it was beautiful to see them and to talk with them in in the midst of quarantine and social distance that I had not been able to do in a while. So I was was just thanking God for that grace in my life. What's What's a grace in your life, Danielle?
1: Man, you jogged my memory back to Holy Week then. So one thing that was really fun for me um, about Holy Week is you remember I, when I was working um, at St. Anne, I put together this seven churches pilgrimage. I brought it to Detroit, which was super fun. Um, so I had like the Bible passages and songs. Of course, like you can't do it with like a lot of people anymore. So I. Um, I just went around to seven churches in my neighborhood. Only one of them was Catholic. And I just prayed in front of each of them the, uh, like, the reflections of that night. So, like, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus in front of Caiaphas and Annas and, like, all those things. So that was really cool. It was, like, snowing, but (laughs) it was really beautiful besides that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, this has been a snowy April.
1: Wait, Paul, is this your first April with us?
2: Uh, this is, no, this is my second April in, in Detroit, but, uh, Detroit, yeah. it is my first one that it has been, uh, yeah, in the world, um, no, in Detroit, <laughs> <laughs> but it if is the first one, <laughs> the first one since, uh, I was a kid where it snowed in April. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a while.
1: Hey, I have, some, are you ready for a rapid fire questions, Paul?
2: As ready as I'll ever be.
1: Question one. What was your first job?
2: Oh, my first job was working for my dad's general contracting company. That was my first real job. I, was, right. uh, I worked on a construction site.
1: <laughs> and what was the most beautiful church you have ever visited?
2: Oh, my gosh. Uh, the most beautiful church I've ever visited. I'm kind of partial to... I know this is probably not the most beautiful church in the world, but my, I guess one of my favorites is St. John Cantius. In Chicago, I also have a. I also really like Saint Basil in LA, which I'm sure will be a controversial choice if anyone's ever been there.
1: And then, what is the most recent song that was stuck in your head?
2: I think the most uh, about love, which is by Marina. Um, It's that or the theme song from Tumble Leaf, which is a kids show, a toddler show. So okay,
1: and then. In which, speaking of like shows and fictional worlds, in which fictional world would you like to live?
2: Oh man,
0: is there like a time limit? I don't know how quickly. No,
1: I no, no, don't worry, so. cause,
2: cause, uh, <laughs> Ron don't worry. Don't worry,
0: but it. it is called rapid fire. So I'd
2: say uh, Harry Potter, Ooh. the Wizarding World and, of Harry Potter. And
1: speaking of, well, I know one of the characters <laughs> likes to eat the redhead. What is your favorite <laughs> breakfast food?
2: <laughs> oh, my favorite breakfast food is biscuits and gravy. I'm like a biscuits
0: and gravy connoisseur. Oh, man. All right, all right Paul, my turn to ask you some questions. What Bible <laughs> verse has really struck with you these these days?
2: Oh, my gosh. What Bible verse has really stuck with me these days? Um, well, we just finished Holy Week, so I feel like that's kind of a loaded question. I'm going to say uh, it is finished. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Um I've just been contemplating on that very much like the idea I, I don't know how much you want to talk about right now, but that's that's my answer. It is finished.
0: Yeah, well let's yeah. go back to that in a minute but let me ask you a couple more. Have you ever met anyone more famous than you? Oh yeah uh,
2: a lot of <laughs> I have met a lot of famous people people more famous than me. Give me
0: a famous the, person you've met Gerard Butler Oh no, I'm kidding. Um, kidding. I was say. <laughs> Father Steve, Gerard Butler is a Scottish actor and film producer. Who's your hero, Paul? Saint Jose Maria. Uh, what's the favorite your favorite book? <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Harry Potter. lot <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing a theme here. And then yeah. lastly, what was uh, one location where you had a powerful encounter with God? That's a really tough question. Um, Yeah, Danielle wrote these, so. uh...
1: Oh my gosh, they're great.
2: I have trouble answering this question without it sounding like weird, but like my my current wife, who was then my fiance, her Honda Civic. Nice. (laughs) Okay. I was honestly ready for
1: you to say Harry Potter World, so it's cool. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I've been to Harry Potter World. I did not have a particularly like profound experience with God there. So <laughs> wait, what what is Harry Potter World? Uh, it's like at Universal Studios. Ah. Uh, I used to I when I lived in Los Angeles, I was like 15 minutes away from it, so we went a couple times.
1: So it's like so, going to Disney.
2: For Harry yeah, Potter. Except, people.
0: except way yeah, except cheaper. For Harry Potter. It's way cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> So, Paul, tell, tell me about the Honda Civic uh, encounter with God, you know, a synopsis or uh, some some way that was powerful.
2: One of the questions that was asked to me, I think, was like, how have I seen God work in my life um, before I, before we started this? And um, a lot of that was through my wife. Um, and so when we, when we got engaged, um, we had some pretty difficult conversations kind of in our engagement. And one of those conversations— Um, I just really felt God's presence kind of there. And I felt his love in a way that I'd never experienced before. Um, and it was, I think while we were sitting outside her apartment in her Honda Civic (laughs) when we were living in Los Angeles. So, um, yeah, that's, I I don't, yeah, that's my answer.
1: Tell me a little bit about. Um, St. Basil and why this is controversial I'm going to pretend like I'm asking you For the listener's sake but also I don't know
2: (laughs) So St. Basil's in uh, Los Angeles is uh, What I uh, I'd kind of classify it As almost like a communist Inspired uh, Church Um, But it's very utilitarian in its design So it's very stark but it's also kind of uh, Gothic it's everything's very Tall um, everything, you know, brings your eye upwards, but it's so stark it the sides of it are made of like concrete. Um, and, um, and they have these huge, beautiful black, uh, stone sculptures that are just, they're massive and they're almost terrifying, um, in their scale. Uh, but they're just so striking and the whole church just like kind of, um, I guess it kind of reminds me of like being stripped bare in front of God and there's a beautiful crucifix with this kind of abstract uh, wooden uh, sculpture that surrounds it. Um, I'd highly recommend you look up photos of it. Uh, You, you may very, and the reason I guess it'd be controversial is because a lot, I think a lot of people would look at it as like a modern church design where they ruined, you know, the design of churches. I actually think it's kind of a beautiful implementation of classic church uh church architecture with more kind of modern stripped down aesthetics so it makes me think of god at least
1: (laughs) that's really cool i would love to talk more about that later um can you tell me a little bit about your experience with saint jose maria
2: saint jose maria introduced me to the idea of constant conversation with god um Mm. and so when i was uh just finishing high school i was introduced to his uh his for well one of his books which is The Way which is if you're familiar with it, it's just kind of a series of basically instructions and inspiration that Jose Josemaría wrote at different points um to different people and for different people um and I worked my way through that and what I realized in reading that and learning more kind of about um Saint Jose uh charisms I, I suppose you'd call them uh is the idea of just kind of constantly bringing your life to god of him walking with you as a friend throughout your whole day and your whole life as opposed to kind of a lot of what i brought was you know as a cradle catholic brought up with was like you go to church to pray um you say the rosary you go to mass um there's specific times and otherwise you're kind of just on your own uh and I won't say that anyone straight up told me that. That's just kind of how I understood it. I don't want to throw any anybody under the bus as far as my catechesis goes.
0: <laughs> well, but no, but there is kind of a sense that I think the, one of the beautiful things that Saint Jose Maria Escriva does is, you know, to talk about the the ordinary being infused with God's presence, right? That God can do. Mm-hmm. Great things in ordinary ways, and other saints have talked about that. But uh, it really takes an intentionality on our part to see that. So uh, that's awesome.
1: Thank you so much for all that, Paul. I really, we really appreciate it and learning more about you.
0: Thanks. I'm it's, so sorry. It's been a pleasure. Are
1: we done? I'm just
2: kidding. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: So, Paul, um, we actually go to church together, so I know you, and I've met your wife, and I've also met your beautiful child, but I don't know a whole lot about your story. Would you be so kind as to share some of that with us?
2: Uh, sure. Um, I, I'll i just, I guess I'll start kind of, uh, by, my wife and I met while we were in school um, at uh, in, in San Diego. We went to John Paul, the Great Catholic University. Um And, uh, I actually went, I, I transferred there from a military school. I went there for my first two years of school and then, um, transferred to John Paul, the great to study film. And I was very much a fish out of water at a very small, like Catholic, uh, college community at the time it was maybe like 90 students. And, uh, so my, and my wife was also, uh, a very kind of a fish out of water. So we became friends. Um and to be perfectly honest, I I I became friends with her, uh partially just because I thought she was way too beautiful for me to ever date. <laughs> and I know that sound, kind of sounds uh self-deprecating, but that's that was the truth. Um uh, you know, back then. I uh so um and it's still the truth, but <laughs> I have a better I have more I have more self-esteem now. At the
1: <laughs> You guys are both beautiful but, uh,
2: people. Oh, thank you. Um the uh so anyway so we went to school together we were friends and then we ended up dating and then I broke up with her because I you know for a lot of different reasons I I was um just kind of conflicted I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with my life and I broke up with her and then a year later thanks to the guidance of a really good priest who was the spiritual director to us both we both got we ended up getting back together um And, uh, and, you know, four years later we got engaged, uh, and, um, when we got engaged, you know, everything became very, very real, very quickly. They realized, you know, that we're binding ourselves to each other and committing to kind of bringing each other closer to Christ and, and to God and to having a family together. And that just brought so much kind of to the surface about our own personal history and our lives, and, and that was really painful. I had never gone through any kind of experience like that, of having to be, like, totally exposed and open to somebody else. Um, and there, was, there still is a lot of, of pain um, from my upbringing and stuff that had, kind of had to be laid bare. Um, and through that experience, I kind of realized, like, and, and I guess Jamie, um, my wife, her her understanding and her love for me, I realized that, um, that there's love uh, in this world and that, uh, God's love for me is kind of beyond anything I can fathom. You know, at the time I thought for sure that I was not worthy of that, um, kind of care and love. Um, and Jamie kind of showed me that not only was I worthy of it from her, but that God loved me even more. Um, so that was, uh, that was pretty painful and also pretty incredible. Um, and I'll say that's, that's a huge factor kind of in my faith today. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, have been a cradle Catholic my whole life and I went to a Catholic school and I, um, you know, got the full fledged theology and everything in high school and stuff, but it wasn't really until then that I realized like, you can know, maybe so much about your faith and and God uh, on an intellectual level but that only gets you so far um for me it, like a conversion really means like a turning of my heart not just my mind um, to God so um so yeah fast forward you know a few years and we uh, we had a child together uh, after well we got married first <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, Paul when
0: did you graduate uh, from JP2?
2: Uh, uh I finished school in 2012 and Jamie finished uh 9 months I finished in December of 2012 and she finished in September of 2013. We both wanted to study film and art and we both also wanted to do that kind of in a Catholic environment. Um so that's where we ended up.
0: Awesome. Yes. So Danielle Danielle's yeah. rushing us along. Okay, so you both graduate. <laughs> yeah, so, so you we get both cr- graduate. So you
1: graduate. You get married.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> We got, we moved
2: to Los Angeles, not, not together. Um, We moved to Los Angeles. Jamie got a job at the Archdiocese of Los Angeles as a designer. Um, And I was working for a motion graphics design company who moved me up to Los Angeles. Um, We got married while we were living in LA. Um, And then uh, three months after we got married, uh, we were pregnant with Hank. Um, We didn't know it was Hank at the time. Mm but nine months later we welcomed Hank into the world and our lives have been all the better for it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that then, then like, I think, I think a year and a half later after Hank was born, we moved to Detroit. So we, we were, Jamie left her job at the ADLA. Um, I, uh, was doing freelance work as a uh, producer and a designer. Um, and then we started a business in Los Angeles and, Los Angeles is so expensive. Um, And we had good friends who lived here in Detroit from college. So we came out to visit them kind of scoping out Detroit and just uh, really ended up falling in love, falling in love with it, specifically the east side, uh, which is where we currently live um, and where Danielle uh, and and we go to mass at St. Augustine, St. Monica. Um, And so uh, so we we moved in May of 2018 and. At, it was only after we moved that I had uh, any exposure, really, to what was happening with the archdiocese and what was happening in Detroit. Um, only after we moved did I read anything about unleash the gospel. And when I when I was finally kind of exposed to it through uh, through you know some uh, some people at the AOD who were who were talking to me about a job there, um, was I like, man, this just feels like divine providence um you know reading about unleash the gospel was kind of like i'd never read i'd never read anything from any uh bishop or from the church in general that felt like it really was a call to kind of change um and a call to to really look at what we're doing and how we're doing it and to do it better um and to to really kind of jump forward. So, you know, I'm, I'm not very literate in church documents. So someone could have written it before that, but you know, that was the first time I'd read something like that. And it was really
0: profound to me. So you mean you have not read every pastoral letter by bishops <laughs> of in the every, country, every
1: bishop in the, in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, you know what? There's something really
1: is... beautiful to be said about that. Right. Because we can't read every single thing. So the Holy spirit was working in your particular situation too. You know, like the, you've coming from California, this, this thing, like building this momentum building here in Detroit. And then you coming to that, like, that's something really profound.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I couldn't, it was, it's funny because uh, you know, Jamie and I had <laughs> her experience working for the ADLA was, um, Formative is a good way to put it. <laughs>
0: ADLA it was, is the
2: uh, sorry. yeah, of that's LA. the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Yeah, okay. Um, and her, her, her experience working there was was um, it, it had its good parts, but it was overall pretty difficult for both of us. Um, and so we, when we moved, and when we had started our own business, we had actually both uh, sworn that we would never work for the church again. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, for and the, then the I Holy guess, Spirit was like, "Ha ha ha ha!" Exactly. And then this. Uh, so I guess I don't even know if listeners know, but I, I currently work as the creative director at the Archdiocese, um, and that's because of reading Unleashed the Gospel. Because we happened to move here just as things were really picking up with a lot of change happening at the diocese, and um, my my boss in Mundo kind of found out about me, I guess. I wasn't hiding, but I wasn't really like putting myself out there for the church either. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. uh so he kind of you know brought me in and told me what was going on and I you know I was like all right I'll give it a shot and here I am officially an employee of the Archdiocese.
1: It's good to (laughs) have you here. I'm so glad you're here.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) yeah ron all right ron your voice needs to be
1: on this
0: it's a rare time we get to hear ron on this podcast so that's always a blessing
1: (laughs) paul thank you for sharing some of your story with us thank you for uh being with us tonight and for giving us that story we really appreciate you being here and sharing with us
2: thanks I'm, i'm happy to be here
1: Okay, gentlemen, I know that Father Steve knows my friend Julia. Paul, I don't know if you've ever met her, but anyway, little backstory. She is an architect, and I love – she was a guest on one of our podcasts, too. But I love traveling with her because she sees the world through, like, an artist's eyes and an architect's eyes. And one time we were talking about churches, and I think this kind of tied into the St. Basil thing, and I wanted to bring it up, is we were – I think we were in Chicago, and we passed – Uh, I don't know maybe a casino or something and it was built in like an old Roman style and she stopped in the street and she was like look at this building it's out of place here because and this is exactly how she travels like we'll be walking and then she'll be like stop and reflect she's like look at this (laughs) building it's out of place because and Rome Rome has a specific kind of buildings like ancient Rome because of The culture at the time the tools at the time the resources at the time the like the 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 kind of like architectural like math and building that was available at the time so she was like when you take something from a specific time and place it somewhere like this in downtown like modern day chicago it's out of place it doesn't fit here anymore because it was made for another time and she was like and that's why we need to be careful about how we talk about church things, because things that fit into older, older, like previous eras don't fit in the era that we're in right now. And then she just like stopped and kept walking. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that's, I think, an interesting opener. What is your perspective on that as a creative director? Where do you see... um art right now as as you are a part of something that's been around for a while the church but you're also at like a particular crossroads in history
2: um wow that's a that's a great question and i love the i love the idea kind of behind that of like things not things not fitting right um and i i think there's uh, there's like a you know we could go on probably for a, or i could go on for hours about art and, and that idea but but I've always been a strong kind of proponent of um, of marrying kind of the tradition of the church with the time we're in now Um, are one of my favorite things. And I even answered it in the question about my faith is it's tradition um, with a capital T and a little T Um, Mm. but the, uh, the, the rich kind of art, in our in our church tradition uh the music the um all of that i think i think there's so much strength in our foundation that you know throughout the hundreds of years the church has developed but i also think there's so much space for new ideas and new new um art to build on that um you know, I, I don't know that it's entirely fair and, you know, Father Steve or Danielle, you might disagree with me, but a lot of people write off um, modern art techniques and ideas because, you know, oh, it's it's not hard or I could have done that or, you know, but I, I think that's like really, to me, it's a lack of looking farther or looking deeper into what people are expressing in their artwork and I think there's a lot of space for marrying our tradition in the church with what people are kind of experiencing now um, in their art. Because that's that's honestly kind of how I see it. You know, design design and, and video, especially for the type of marketing stuff that we do, is, is a form of art, but it's more functional than it is um, just uh, experiential. Um, mm. It has a purpose and something to communicate or something to um, promote um artwork in its purest form i think is more of an expression of like the more some kind of expression of a human experience um whether that experience is an encounter with christ or whether that's an experience or that expression is an experience of you know an experience with the devil or something you know i think there's i think there's space for all of that um and something uh you know something a professor of mine in college actually once told me was uh the uh especially as Christian or Catholic uh, artists this is something we need to remember is that there's no there's no resurrection without the cross um, and by that I mean like a lot of artists a lot of Christian artists tend to shy away from 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 really kind of looking into sin. <laughs> we don't want to depict sin necessarily, especially glorify it but sin is part of our experience and I think people want to be kind of, connected in that experience, that pain and that hurt. And what I think we're called to do, especially as Catholic and Christian artists, is remind them, yeah, we're connected in that pain and that human experience, but we're also called to the resurrection of Christ. that That's where it's leading, that pain, you know? So to r- come back around to your art question, <laughs> I definitely agree with it, that there's definitely, like, a a sense of, like, This doesn't fit because of, you know, it's a, you know, it's a 19, you know, a design that was made straight from, you know, 1965, which we're not doing anymore. It was a different time, a different place, maybe Mm -hmm. not the brightest time uh, for the church. Um, but, uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's no value in it. And I think that looking back on what we've done and looking forward to what we can do, um, and marrying those two can bring about something really amazing and beautiful, you know. Anyway, that's that's me having ranted for five minutes about <laughs> the answer to so, your question.
0: So, but... <laughs> so let me give you something else to rant about. Paul, is beauty objective or subjective? That's a great question, Father Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, the, cla- the classical tradition, you know, this gets a little philosophical, but hey, let's all get a little rant in. This can be our hey, quarantine yeah, rant, not? right? <laughs> um, the classical tradition would point to an objectivity to beauty, right? That there's a kind of consonance and integrity of, of beauty, that the pieces fit together, that it has a kind of intrinsic value that's recognized by the observer. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. In the 20th century, and certainly into John Paul II, there's a kind of a, a turn philosophically towards personalism, which which sees the individual person being able to kind of contribute not just um, to this objective form, but to say, you know, the subjectivity that I bring to something is a gift in in my life, but also in the life of the church. So the individual nature of humanity is kind of shown forth in the first half of the 20th century and then expanded at the Second Vatican Council to talk about, uh, especially in Gaudium et Spes, this this nature of, um, the the interplay between man and the world, between faith and culture, and all these things. So I, I just wondering, you know, as someone who lives in this world, has studied it, what's your what's your take on kind of art as being hey this is objectively beautiful right we can go to a place like uh notre dame cathedral and uh, be, before the fire and say like if you don't think this is beautiful there's probably something wrong here uh yeah. but that uh, doesn't mean it doesn't mean campaign, everything maybe? of it doesn't mean every you know artwork has that same objective uh, aspect to it yeah
2: yeah i think um you know, that uh, I, my, my professor, my philosophy professor in college uh, had this great um, kind of metaphor or, uh, yeah, metaphor he'd use is like, uh, if you taste strawberry ice cream, and you say it tastes like, um, I don't know, pickles, you'd be wrong, objectively speaking, right? Like, if it's yeah. strawberry ice cream, and it's made properly, it should taste like strawberry. So if you're saying it tastes like pickles, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably in your taste buds or something but something's wrong or someone um, spiked and,
0: the ice cream with juice. yeah deals. exactly
2: like so, something is something's or wrong i just don't know uh, what pickles
1: taste like yeah yeah yeah
2: exactly so but if i say i strawberry ice cream i just don't like strawberry ice cream that's completely different than saying this taste this tastes like you know pickles Um, and that's, I always love that metaphor because it's such a good example of like how, how I can, I always liked being able to be like, yeah, I think that's beautiful. I don't really care for it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's beautiful, you know, like it's a really good sense of like, can you, and it's so hard. I've been in so many or seen so many like arguments on social media or in person about what is art. Um, but one of, my, one of my pet peeves is actually people who don't like something saying something is bad um, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's something I, it's like something about the human language. It's the same way we say we love something that we really just like a lot. Um, we'll be like, oh, you know, that movie's bad. And it's like, well, no, actually, the movie structurally is sound. It's got a good plot. It's well made. It's, you know, consistent. It's beautiful. You just don't like it. That's like that's the difference, and you can say what you don't like about it, but if you look at it, kind of, and that's that's the question, though, right? That if you talk about it's any secular artist, they're like, well, who's making the rule book for what's right and what's wrong? Um, you know, we we have a not so much rule book, but we have that guidance, kind of in um, in our understanding of uh, nature and and natural law. We have that understanding. Um, And that's where I think we're blessed in a lot of ways to have that. I mean, in so many ways to have that. But uh, because it kind of acts as a as a guidance for what, especially in art, like what is objectively beautiful. I think that means that there are things that are objectively ugly, too. Right. Um, Yeah. That I don't know. That's something that's maybe even a bigger question is like, is something that's objectively ugly, therefore not art? Can something that's be like that might be objectively ugly? Well, could you, know, you say it's bad art? not to be beautiful. Could you yeah, say I it's mean, bad art? It's a good question. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. meant to be ugly. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't know.
0: To, just, just to take take a different question here, Danielle. You know, we talk about growing as disciples and this kind of desire to be. Missionary disciples that presupposes a kind of a, a relationship with God, right? That we're following the right. Lord. Um, do you do you pray with art? I mean, is art part of your prayer life? I'm just just wondering like yes. how that fits in. What, what does that For look sure. like? What, what 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 would it mean to say I pray with art?
1: Um, this is a really interesting question and one to th- think about is the term art is incredibly broad. Right? It would be like saying, I love, like, do you yeah, like so, athletics so vi- to an Olympic yeah. athlete, right? There are yeah. like a billion Olympic events. Got it. So so visual so, art. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, actually, I find that I pray a lot through dance because it's like St. Augustine says, when you sing, you pray twice. I really feel that using my body as a form of worship as well and this is not liturgical dance lest everyone like suddenly freak out <laughs> i'm just talking like going going to a party there's music there's dance like classy dancing i'm there for like a wedding i am throwing down and um and i think that there's so some, so you're
0: praying at weddings while you're on the oh, dance floor
1: all the time yeah, yeah come yeah. on like come on so free there wow Get out of here. Anyway. No, so- no. Like
0: I, I'm trying to understand it.
1: <laughs> okay. So yeah. Uh, doesn't that, go you back just-
0: to, that, that
2: goes back here to I what am. I was talking about with St. Jose Maria, right? God right, can come so- into anything at any moment.
1: And you just, I just think about like, like some, you're there, I'm with people that I love and I can just close my eyes and be free, listen to the music and be like, God, you brought me here with all these people that I love and my body is awesome and you made it for me. Thanks a mil. Like that is totally praying. But like, do I pray through art? Sure. I love to make art. One of my favorite quotes is by St. Maximilian Kolbe. Let this blow your mind for four years. Love alone creates. So this concept that God is love and God creates and with God we can also create. So yeah, I definitely say that I I love creating wait, through art.
2: Wait, so I do have one question though, Danielle, and not, not because I, I believe you and I trust you, but when you're dancing at a wedding on the dance floor and you're praying, what happens
0: when like Get Low comes on? Did did you do air quotes while you said praying, I, Paul? I I, I, I heard I air quotes. That. Like I felt
1: them come through the airwaves. No, I, I really, wow. didn't, I really didn't do air quotes. You know, I'm so dancers, Daniel, I, Maybe maybe, maybe I did the air media. quotes.
0: So. You guys,
1: uh, you no, know what? i just gonna say very... there are other dancers out there who heard me and were giving praise hands and we're like, yes, girl, you are so right. No, we can I, pray through. I, dance Is I, that really, what I wish are you called?
2: guys, could, br- see me, wish you guys br- could see my face i am not no. danielle i totally believe i i am not making fun of you in any regard i'm just curious like i i you know i get distracted in mass when you know someone coughs so i don't know <laughs> i uh <laughs> you know i um i i yeah. do not experience that with dance but i just love to know
1: Well, okay, so it's just like any prayer, right? Can you be distracted out of it? Sure, but like, is it also a part, like, can you also redirect it towards prayer? Yeah, so um, yeah, I love, I love praying throughout. And I I think I should say too, I love classic art as well. That wasn't like a dig at the beginning of like, (laughs) oh, old art of the church is not cool because it really, really is. But um, there's also, I think this interesting invitation for us today like what does it mean and father steve you're you you work with paul duda because you're the director of evangelization unless they change that title am i supposed to say more title and <laughs> no 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 you're
0: not okay. no 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 it's say the whole thing it's the a director of evangelization and missionary discipleship that's the whole title <laughs> Yeah, yep. you, you got the whole title in there. Yeah. Um, no, no. I, like, I, I know what you're saying, Danielle, art can mean lots and lots of things. But I was thinking about like the visual type of art, like how, how beauty in, in, you know, visual art can open our minds uh, to prayer, because I find that, you know, uh, one of the the most beautiful places uh, with stained glass to me is Blessed Sacrament Cathedral. And they yeah. have this beautiful mm-hmm. rose window above the choir loft. They have gorgeous depictions. There's a, uh, so I, I was the Archbishop Secretary for four years, which means I got to skulk around the uh, sanctuary for four years during all the masses. Oh, was that, was
1: that, on, the, uh, <laughs> uh, was that on the job description?
0: Skulking, yeah, liturgical skulking, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grau is the best skulker. <laughs> yeah, he does it much better. <laughs> but but there's a way from the archbishop's chair where he looks out and sees Christ the King, the beautiful north facing window in the transept mm-hmm. of the uh, of the cathedral, and I just find that to be like during the liturgy when I'm in there praying by myself. I just find it like opens my mind and my heart and like once it helps me give myself to Christ and it helps me see like Jesus acts in power and in mercy in my life and wants to and I can trust him with that so yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we're right up against time here so um that may have to be Uh, The second to last word, because, Paul, we always give our guests the last word, if you have any last kind of prayer or or anything you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, I guess, you know, we're all we're all in quarantine right now. Um, And I I think uh, for a lot of people, there's um, I I, there's a lot of pressure uh, to maybe be. to be productive or be creative, um, especially as a creative, I think there's a lot of pressure like, Oh, so much time on my hands, you know, I should create, I guess I, I just want to kind of encourage people like whatever is happening in your heart right now, um, for anybody it's, it's happening for a reason and listen to it, you know, take care of yourself. Listen to that. What's happening in your heart. Listen to God. Um, and take care of yourself because it's so easy to get wrapped up in thinking about, especially in this day and age with social media and all that stuff, which I work in, um, to get wrapped up in what we should be doing versus, uh, like what other people think we should be doing versus what God is actually asking us to do. Um, and so I guess I just encourage people to really listen to God and what he's asking you to do. It's funny. Cause I'm, I'm saying words out loud that I need to listen to.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we, we as, as a as... As as a priest, we always talk about you preaching first and foremost to yourself. Mm. So um, that's what I hear you say. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that's that's all I'd like to encourage people to do. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of just taking it one day at a time now, and I, I guess I encourage everyone else to do the same.
1: We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Paul.
2: Thank you.
0: It was a ton of fun sitting down with Paul in our quarantine, remote, social distancing, open door policy studio today to hear about his love for biscuits and gravy, his love for Harry Potter, and how he thinks art helps us to know God and to follow God in our lives.
1: If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe Cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit.
2: I find it kind of disturbing to think about.
0: (laughs) I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center.
1: And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.